to Sean Hannity Show. Toll free, it's 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. This is like walk back uh, Monday, considering, you know, every time Joe opens his mouth and God forbid goes off script, it becomes an unmitigated uh, disaster. You know, last week he's speaking to troops. Look at how the people of Ukraine are stepping up and you... U.S. troops stationed in Poland, you're going to see this when you're in Ukraine. And we're like, huh? You're sending troops to Ukraine? Uh, then we have this from the weekend. For God's sakes, this man cannot remain in power. Listen. A dictator bent on rebuilding an empire will never erase a people's love for liberty. Brutality will never grind down their will to be free. Ukraine will never be a victory for Russia, for free people refused to live in a world of hopelessness and darkness. We will have a different future, a brighter future, rooted in democracy and principle, hope and light, of decency and dignity, of freedom and possibilities. For God's sake, this man cannot remain in power. Now, of course, the walk back. The president's point was that Putin cannot be allowed to exercise power over uh, his neighbors or the region. He was not discussing Putin's power in Russia or regime change, according to White House officials. Anyway, Dan Hoffman is with us, uh, Fox News contributor, 30 year CIA ops officer, uh, and uh, a lot to unpack here, Dan, on so many different levels. Uh, but it just goes to show you that if you don't have somebody that's, if you have a president that is weak, frail, and a cognitive mess, this is what you get. Well, my my former boss at CIA, uh, General David Petraeus, said that the president uh, was kind of guilty of of a lapse there uh, in message discipline. You know, I actually thought that when I heard him say that at the end of the speech, I thought, well, that that's actually a good way to end it. That sounds like um, that sounds like something that was planned. Uh, Clearly, it wasn't. And the walk back was just so clumsy. It. You know, had it been a moment like when President Reagan called the Soviet Union an evil empire against his advisors uh, who were counseling otherwise, I mean, it's the president's call. And uh, I think it was. Well, not it, was, it was Reagan when Reagan gave the speech. This is, I think, important for people to have some context here. Everybody around him kept taking it out of the speech and he kept putting it back in. And so reporters were out there raving about this speech. It was a tear down the wall moment for Joey. And Joe, of course, needs a win with his, you know, average approval ratings in the 30s and everything else that everything has gone wrong and nothing is getting better. But then they took his take down, tear down this wall moment and, and walked it back immediately. So Joey didn't have it. Obviously, it wasn't planned. I mean, what he, it wasn't planned for sure. Although, I mean, what he could have said, you know, he talked a lot about how this is Putin's war and the Russian people, you know, should never have, would, would never want to inflict the kind of harm that, that Russia is inflicting on Ukraine and causing so many, so much damage. I mean, billions of dollars worth of damage to civilian infrastructure, 10 million uh, displaced people, thousands of people killed. If, if President Biden simply said, hey, you know, Russian military, you should stop taking orders from the KGB guy in the Kremlin to launch indiscriminate attacks on civilians. Like, that would have been okay, too. But even then, you know, this administration, stick with what the president said. It's not going to have an impact on Vladimir Putin's conduct of the war. He's raining down hell on Ukraine. The only thing that's going to stop him are the MiGs and the S-300s that were not given Ukraine. That's it. So we could, we could you know, the, the idea, I mean, it, 
It's message discipline. It was a failure of that. But let's just get back to the policy behind the words. Ukraine's fighting for their lives, and we're not giving them what they need. And that that's the part I think we should also focus on, frankly. Yeah, well, they're going to have a task force studying how to uh, get other sources of energy into Europe. But in the meantime, Putin's uh, war funding is coming directly from NATO allies and, and Western European countries. And the two things that they ought to be focused on, you hit on one of them, and that is uh, they need the drones, they need the anti-aircraft, uh, air defense systems, missile defense systems. Uh, they need the javelins, they need the stingers, and yeah, they need fighter jets, and I don't know why Joe vetoed that. And the next thing that they really need to fix fast is they, they've got to get alternative sources of energy as soon as possible and stop feeding this guy billions of dollars a day. And then, and that, that is literally funding the entire war campaign against Ukraine. Yeah, you're 100% right. And this also, uh, it's kind of an indictment of European policy, especially Germany. This idea that you can make deals with Vladimir Putin uh, didn't really work out that well. And they were warned, as you've noted on the program many, many times, uh, the United States uh, in the last administration, the Trump administration, warned the Germans in particular uh, that being dependent on German fossil fuels was not a good idea for national security. There were other options available. And now uh, they're paying the price. They're reaping what they sowed. And yes, <laughs> Vladimir Putin, the reason the ruble has been stabilized to some extent because Russia is receiving so much money, billions of dollars uh, from European purchases of oil and gas. I mean, that's you know, it's twisted, Sean. It should not. If you want to defeat Vladimir Putin and Russia, fifty to sixty percent of their economy fully is based on energy. Stop helping him. Uh, you know, Germany, all these NATO countries are making Russia rich again. They're making Putin rich every day. We're not talking about millions. We're talking about billions of dollars, and that is the only that that right there would end. In, in his demise, because as soon as the country goes poor and they can't feed people, uh, there will be regime change. Now, I was the first to say, I hope somebody takes him out. I hope somebody in his inner circle, sanctum, whatever, uh, that would, you cut the head off the snake, you kill the snake. I know we have an executive order in this country that prohibits uh, any targeting, any federal employee from targeting or, or, or any general from targeting a, a leader of a country. But to me, you know, Dan, maybe I'm a little old school here, but... If you invade a sovereign country and you're killing innocent men, women, and children and indiscriminate bombing and taking out entire cities, uh, Mariupol, for example, is one, uh, and you're trying to take that country over, you, you forfeit your right to lead any other nation and you forfeit your right to live because he the blood is on his hands. He initiated all this. It's all caused by him, and, and there's no ambiguity about that. I agree. And, and look, you certainly can have your opinion, and, and you should, and I know you do, and you're not shy about expressing it. God bless you. Uh, for this administration, you know, kind of the nuanced way to say it is, look, hey, Russian military and elites and all of you others, stop following Vladimir Putin's orders to kill innocent Ukrainians. We can get back to some semblance of normalcy with your country, with Russia, if you stop following his orders. This, the logical you know, conclusion of that statement, which this administration wouldn't have to make, is, yeah, if they stop following Vladimir Putin's orders, that's the end of Vladimir Putin. But that's what they need to do for moral and ethical reasons. And, and just to get back to the point about Europe, how many missiles have the Russians launched, or how many missiles would they have not launched 
if they weren't receiving the billions of dollars they received from oil and gas payments from Europe. They, would, they wouldn't be, Dan, you know the answer. They wouldn't be able to afford it. And that's, that's the point. The moral and ethical issue for me right now that is right in front of the, you know, the faces of these European leaders. Uh, bad policies are coming home to roost right now, and there's a lesson there. Uh, and by the way, you know who warned everybody about these bad policies? It was Donald J. Trump. I mean, I played the video of him lecturing the head of NATO, uh, handing uh, Angela Merkel, the German <laughs> chancellor at the time, the white flag of surrender. You're surrendering to Russia. I mean, he went that far with this and talked about the madness that, you know, here we pay more in terms of real dollars, but even more uh, in terms of GDP than European countries. And the purpose of NATO is to protect all these countries from Russia. And yet, and yet then they don't even want to pay their fair share. It's unbelievable to me. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, all of that is, is history now. So, you know, we're dealing with what we've got. Uh, but, you know, the Europeans have got to make some fast changes. I know you've said this a lot. I think for the United States, you know, the question is, what's our export capacity on LNG and, and on, on fossil fuels in general? The, the answer um, is it's not good because of Joe's energy policies and his economic policies. We're not up and running, and he steadfastly refuses to fix it. And I think there's bipartisan consensus in the Congress, you know, to do both, to do even among the Democrats who favor uh, the Green New Deal or, or something of that sort. They want to do both. They want to do, you know, clean environmental energy, and they also want to... Uh, increase our uh, production of, uh, of oil and gas at this time to support our European allies uh, so that we take away from Vladimir Putin's war chest. Yeah. You know, I, as I watch this and I think about all of this, if and really Europe should be doing the bulk of in terms of providing the weaponry for Ukraine. And by the way, if, as far as U.S. contributions, the javelins, the stingers, and and whatever else we end up munitions etc i i think that it should come with a cost eventually ukraine should pay us back assuming that ukraine is a country at the end of this they have shown valor and courage and a willingness to fight to protect their country you would you would think there'd be more urgency to get oil independent on in europe that's not happening fast enough nor are they providing the weaponry fast enough so I don't know how long Ukraine holds on if they don't get the, these weapons to them as bad as Putin's armies perform. They're bombing the crap out of this place. Yeah, I think, you know, the Ukrainians, I mean, look at Mariupol. They don't have food, water, electricity, but they have a lot of heart and they're still fighting. I'll tell you where the money comes from, uh, frankly. You know, Russia's caused all of this damage and they've never held, been held to account for anything. And that's part of the problem with uh, the collapse of the Soviet Union. The Soviets were never held accountable for all of the havoc they wrecked on the world. And Vladimir Putin's doing the same thing. He did it to Georgia. He's doing it now to Ukraine. And they, Russia needs to be held accountable to rebuild Ukraine. Uh, that's way, way off in, in the future. You've got to end the war first. Ukraine has to win it. Uh, and they're not going to, they're going to stay in the fight, Sean, and they're going to fight an insurgency. But in order to win, you know, again, they need the MiGs. They need the F-300s. They need more from us. I agree. And that's not happening right now. All right, quick break more with Fox News contributor, 30-year CIA ops officer Dan Hoffman. All right, we continue with Dan Hoffman, 30-year CIA ops officer.
In terms of what the U.S. role should be, I am very firm in my belief, not one American boot on the ground. I do not trust politicians uh, on this issue on both sides of the aisle. They start wars. They're all gung-ho. Uh, they never fight them to win them. If they did, there would be overwhelming force. They never want to use that. And then they politicize it. And then they said, never mind. And, and we lose our national treasure in the process. We, we can't be drawn into these conflicts any further. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think there's any interest whatsoever in sending U.S. troops to fight in Ukraine. Certainly to shore up our NATO member partners and allies, especially the ones on the border of Russia, uh, that's a deterrent. I think that's, that's absolutely fine. Uh, but, you know, there's, there's no reason to be sending our troops. But, but let me just add this. There's also no reason for the Biden administration, for the president, to talk about what we're not going to do. So let's leave some uncertainty in the minds of the Kremlin. Let's not tell the Kremlin that we're, you know, not going to send troops. What if we did send UN peacekeepers to Western Ukraine to create a humanitarian corridor? I mean, I just, I don't understand why this administration, you know, continues to rule things out as if Vladimir Putin is going to deter them from doing the right thing repeatedly. I mean, Vladimir Putin should have, hold absolutely no sway over U.S. foreign policy or the policy of our allies, but he does. He's fighting a losing war, and he has way too much uh, power and control over the way we're conducting our side of it. You know, as I watch this, do you think if given the, the right amount of military gear and cutting off the finances via energy, gas and oil for, uh, into Europe, I think that the Ukrainians could actually win this and push push Putin out. But I don't. Th but it, but they have to do it expeditiously, or it's it's probably will be over in some way, shape, or form. I mean, absent uh, the use of you know, Russia's use of weapons of mass destruction, I agree with you 100. percent Russia doesn't have enough troops to defeat Ukraine. We know that. Uh, you know, going in with 200,000 troops, that's not enough to defeat Ukraine um, uh, militarily on the battlefield. Not without resorting to tactical nuclear weapons or chemical weapons, and that's where the President Biden needs to speak more forcefully to all of those Russian military officers in the chain of command and tell them, hey, don't do this. Do not use chemical weapons. Uh, that's a red line for us. Do don't you believe you've studied Putin more than anybody? Is, will he do it? Is he, I, I know he's capable of it. Will he do it? You know, I still think the question isn't just will he do it, is will his guys follow his orders? Remember, he used a banned chemical nerve agent on his own opposition figure, Navalny, and on Sergei Skripal, that military intelligence defector. And in both cases, he risked the lives of innocents. Then he turned FSB defector Litvinenko into a human dirty bomb in 2006 when he poisoned him with polonium-210. So Putin's risk tolerance is a lot higher for using weapons of mass destruction. The question is whether his guys will, will take those orders, and they shouldn't. And we need to be more forceful about telling them, hey, there's a way out here, guys. If you don't follow those orders, there's a place for you, you know, in a new and a new relationship between the West there's, and There's Russia. always those people, though, that will be willing to do it. That's a scary scenario. Uh, anyway, Dan Hoffman, great job as always. 30-year CIA ops officer. Uh, he knows uh, Russia uh, as well as anybody in ways that he can't even tell us, which is unfortunate, but I understand. Anyway, Dan, thank you. Quick break, right back.
holding them accountable. Sean gets the answers no one else does. America deserves to know the truth about Congress. All right, 25 to the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. Um, You know, here we are in the middle of a massacre and a humanitarian crisis. You got dead women and children, and there's Joey on top of all the screw-ups and walkbacks that we've had over the last week. You know, he's meeting some of the refugees, and what does Joe do? Creepy Joe comes out. Remember Creepy Joe? He showed all the images, and... And we stopped showing them because, uh, I mean, he used to play with young girls' hair and just, ugh, just creepy, creepy, creepy stuff. Anyway, so he asks a refugee. Now, she, I don't know if she lost family members, loved ones, her home, her life is turned upside down. Her country is being bombarded like, you know, there's no tomorrow. And what does Joe Biden ask the refugee? Oh, who she owes her pretty eyes to. Really, Joe? Um, But that's where his head is at on top of all the other screw ups. Uh, We've not gotten Linda's take up to now on this Will Smith smackdown of of Chris Rock at the pathetic Oscars. I I didn't even hear about it till this morning because I just would never watch that thing. And Same. I had already done my research for I got it done early yesterday. And so I uh, I just wasn't I would never I just have no interest. I think the days are long gone where anyone gives a rip about these people and these self-congratulating, you know, award ceremonies. It's just stupid. Completely anyway, agree. so uh, Will Smith, you know, steps up to uh, Chris Rock and just walks up there and slaps him in the face. And then he says the following. Jada, I love you. G.I. Jane 2, can't wait to see it. All right? (laughs) (laughs) It's that was a that was a nice one. Okay. I'm out here. Uh Uh-oh, Richard. (laughs) Oh wow. Wow. Will Smith just smacked. Wow, dude. Yeah. It was a G.I. Jane jump. Keep my wife's name out your mouth. I'm going to, okay? <laughs> I could, oh, okay. That was a greatest night in the history of television. Okay. <laughs> And then Will Smith goes and sits down. Now, uh, I guess, but by the way, this whole, this couple is two of the weirdest people. Linda, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't follow these famous people. I don't care about these famous. I don't know why people are obsessed with famous people. But yeah, anyway, I mean, keep my wife's name here. out of your, your effing mouth. Um, now she, I guess alopecia is a, a medical condition about hair growth as, and uh, she apparently just shaved her head and it's been made very public. I don't pay that much attention to it. Yeah, I mean, listen, she's a woman, you know, and if as a woman, she started severely losing her hair. She's hasn't really been that open with it until this past summer. And her kids came to her and were just like, you know, you're beautiful. You're fine. Shave your head. You'll look beautiful no matter what. She's been wearing a turban to cover it up. And she just kind of started talking about it. And she's been very honest about the fact that she's very self-conscious, very insecure. And this is a touchy subject. So. While I do not agree with how Will Smith handled it, because I don't, there are two things that I will point out. Number one, 
That's his wife. It's the mother of his children. They're still married. They're one of the rare couples in Hollywood that are still married. I don't know what they do behind closed doors, and I don't really care. Well, wait a minute. Don't they talk about this open marriage thing that they got? They, they do, and I'm not going there. I'm just not. I don't and, know and, anything but she about also, it. So. She also cheated on him, too. Okay, she cheated on him, and then okay. the, the result Guys, was Guys, can I just ha- finish is- the thought? Like, can I just finish the thought? Well, Seriously? I'm Jason just saying as a woman, you know, oh. both of you did. So my point is that this woman is going through something that, you know, is not as easily, you know, it's not easy for women to go through this, and she's been open about it. Now, Chris Rock is a funny dude, and there's a lot of funny things for him to talk about. Why he decided to talk about her hair and something that bothers her is a little odd to me. I don't know why you would open with that, especially because if he's in the mix and he's a celebrity and he knows, he had to know that it was a sensitive topic. So there's a lot of other things you can joke about besides somebody's appearance, whether it's their weight, whether it's the way they look, their hair, whatever, like pick something else. So I don't really agree with Chris Rock joking about it. I think that Will had every right to get to get angry on behalf of his wife. Whatever they decide to do, whatever their marriage is to them, that's still his wife. And if she cheated on him and he forgave her and he stayed with her, that's their business. Putting all of that aside, I do not think that punching somebody in the face on national television. That was a slap. Event, Come on. It was whatever. A... Slap, punch. I don't right, really here's care. My Any, position on it's this. just wrong. Do it outside in the alleyway like everybody else. OK, so I think one comedian should be able to say anything they want. I think two, if if a husband is doesn't like what somebody says about their wife i'm old school it didn't this did not bother me or phase me one bit he got the slap boom he sits down he screams out keep my wife's name out of your blanking mouth he says it twice he seemed very angry when he said it and so it's sort of like let them handle their own thing do i care i really don't care that much about the whole thing some people I, think I it's fake and it was staged. Um, I, and I, I but, but if you're going to attack somebody's wife, especially over a health condition, you might you might want to expect that something like that can happen. Agreed. And so you and I are on the same page with that. Like it's kind of like okay, fine. You know, this is an awards event, and I agree with you that comedians should be able to make fun of things. But it's one thing to make group of a collective, right? You know, uh, you know, Irish people love to eat potatoes and drink beer, right? It's one big group. It's not pointing out one person sitting down drinking a beer, eating a potato. There's a big difference, and I think that's what happened here. You're targeting one person in front of your peers, in front of your colleagues, and you're making fun of something that is a physical attribute that you cannot change or control. It's a health problem, like you said. So you know, Will Smith yeah, listen, was pissed, and, and, and by that's the way, fine. If she's struggling with this, I, I feel you know bad yeah, for her. Here's, here's where I, I, I'm very old school. Comedians, say anything you want. If you don't like it, you don't have to watch it. Okay, A. B, you talk about somebody's family, you talk about somebody's mother, father, wife, kids, and uh, you say it that way, and it's a sensitive topic, uh, you might expect that you're going to get slapped in the face. Now, apparently, the LAPD was made aware of this thing, and Chris Rock said, no, he's not going to press charges. If he did, it would be stupid. Um, and and I just don't mind that this played out this way. Um, to me, it's like, okay, Chris you know, took a cheap shot, and Will stood up for his wife. Do I think they're all, that Will and, and his wife are kind of strange with all this, you know, open marriage crap? It's not my thing, but it's none of my business either. It's right. But I'm business. just going to I'm just going to end my commentary on this whole thing with okay. at the end of the day, he should not have punched him, slapped him, assaulted him in any way on a live stage on national television. Why not? Why does period? that bother you? 
I just think that's wrong. It's very unbecoming. It's like you're in a situation. <laughs> people are going to say things that are just. I don't know. At, they're just wrong. People say. You grew oh, up in, in Philly. I'm yeah. the biggest. I was the biggest Broad Street bully fan in the world. Yeah. Dave Schultz, Hound Dog Kelly, Bobby Clark. I wanted to be Bobby Clark. who had no teeth. Um, and they they were raucous, man. They, you, you, Bobby Nystrom versus uh, uh, Dave Schultz. You know, in hockey, it, almost every game it used to be. It's it's less common now, but it still happens. Thankfully, or else they'd ruin the sport. Is I that, agree you know, that yeah, you, you listen, drop your gloves, you, you fight it out, you go to the penalty box, you go back and play. Listen, I have been jumped, I have been mugged, I have been in many a fight, in many fist fights. I have, I have. I'm not going to lie. This is definitely something that's a part of my past. However. I don't know. Oh, don't get in a fight with Linda. She gives you the silent treatment. <laughs> it's a long story. Go on for years and uh, years. First of all, it was three months. It was three months. It was years not that long. And years and years. And we have an agreement. And have I done it since? No, I said you can't. Be, you got to talk it out. <laughs> gotta, gotta it's talk radio. You got to talk it. Talk radio. Yeah. But. I, I seriously, I don't have a problem with them fighting it out. I don't have a problem with them doing whatever they want to do, but not on national television, not on a live stage. I just think that that was the wrong way to handle it. You want to meet the guy backstage and say, I need to talk to you for a second out back. I didn't really care for the way you spoke to my wife, about my wife, referred to my wife, whatever it is, all good. Hockey, I expect them to duke it out. That's how I was raised. That's what I watched. Hockey's the one sport I know pretty well. So, I mean, I think one place you definitely shouldn't do it is on a national stage at the Oscars. You know, not that I care at all about these celebrities or what they do when the world is in such a mess. Does it really matter where? It doesn't. Here's Here's the rule in life. If you talk about somebody's wife, if you talk about somebody's mother... You talk about somebody's kids and you do it in a way that is like that personal. You know what? You run the risk. You're going to get a slap. I mean, I agree. Some, some are going to say Hannity is advocating toxic masculinity. I'm like, sorry, I grew up in an environment. It didn't matter if we were playing hockey. It didn't matter if it was basketball. It didn't even matter if it was baseball. Well, let me flip the script for a second. If it was my husband up there, I would have caught them. I don't, I don't know these people that never had a fight in their life. I don't know them. No, they definitely didn't. What's that? You're totally right. They definitely didn't. No. And by the way, more and more, you know, like my kids' school experience was way different than ours. We'd go out and recess and there'd be a fight every day almost. And I went to a Catholic school. We go inside, get a demerit, get in trouble. You know, by the third fight, they'd call your parents and say your child is being violent. Stop it. And, you know, you move on from there. I, I just it just didn't offend me. I mean, and I like I like Chris Rock way better than I like Will Smith in terms of I think. he's. Oh, I agree with hell. you. Oh, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think Chris Rock is a funny dude and I think that he's a great comedian and I think he's very, very funny. I've seen a bunch of his movies. I've seen a couple of his stand ups. You know, he's a funny dude. He definitely for me has. Don't you think he handled it really well? I do. Oh my God. He kept it moving. He kept it professional. He was like, Oh, well, that made great television. I mean, little, there was a little bounce in his step. He was shocked. shocked. I mean, I would have been people that are thinking it's fake. It was all phony. Oh, gosh, no. Uh-uh. No, it was no not way. fake. I agree with no you. No way. Jason, uh-uh. what do you think? Well, as far as the way Chris Rock reacted, I, I don't think that there is anybody in the history of doing the Oscars that could have handled that better because you get hit, you get hit like that. I mean, you heard that sound over the mic. That was not a, that was not a, 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 a wimpy slap. That was hard. And that was it's the only thing. By he, the way, was, this he was, the only he was really thing that pissed off. Made me, 
made me ever want to think about watching these idiots. Oh, I try. Well, um, I actually, I, I didn't find out about it until a couple hours after it happened. I wanted to tune in, but I couldn't. Yeah, pretty, pretty amazing. Well, right, uh, let me, can it. I ask you one thing? Yeah. Because you're, you're all about having comedians feel free to whatever they want to say. Do you not think that there were no consequences to Will Smith's actions that comedians... Oh, I said that. Are you going to talk about somebody's wife or mother or kids uh, and it's personal like that, you're, you're running the risk. You're going to get slapped on the side of your yeah, head. Yeah, but do you... Comedians, if they, if they should feel the freedom to say what they want to say, they shouldn't have to be worried about getting slapped on stage. But, and uh, that was it, a slap. It's just somebody in a comedy like, club could just could see what Will Smith did and do a close fifth punch. Now, I don't think you want to have a Listen, I don't just, think you want to have be, that going. In my opinion, if you really go personal against somebody's family, where the way I grew up is you're running the risk. You might get hit. Yeah, that's, you're asking I mean, for you it. You can't do that in a comedy you're, club, yeah, that, Sean. That's assault. Well, listen, I mean, and that, by the way, that's another tip of the hat to Chris Rock. He could have reported this to the police. There's no he way didn't. he was going to do that. They, they're friends. They know each other. Um, you know who had the best line after all this, according to reports, was Denzel Washington. And he said to Will Smith, when you're at your high, that's when that's when the devil does his best work. Oh, In my God. Words, is that so true? Isn't it's it, so it's, you true. You know what? You, you got to stay humble. You got it because he's getting an Academy Award. And you know what? Maybe he's feeling his oats and, and his pride is but all puffed up. Can uh, we carry that for one a, second away from Will? Denzel, you know what Denzel Washington said? is like my favorite yes. actor. I'm obsessed him. with him. He's amazing. And you know what else he said? He said, nobody cares about the facts anymore. They just care about being first. Ethan and I talk about that all the time with him. He came out and he said that. I'm like, oh, smartest comment I heard in news. Unfortunately, we have He's to go to a break. He's one of the greatest Sean. actors and one of the most interesting people. I watched a YouTube video of him give a commencement speech. Probably one of the best I've ever seen. He's phenomenal. I, I That's one guy... I'm sure he has no interest in ever meeting me. That's one guy I would like to meet, and there's very few people in life I care to meet. Like I'm not, I'm not into that world. Um, I always like Mel Gibson's work. I think he's, he's such a fascinating figure. He's a, he's a genius. His mind never stops. Well, lucky for you, he's on in a couple weeks. Oh, that's right. You told me that. That's good. Yeah. I want to find out because he's doing, I guess, a sequel to The Passion of the Christ, which I think was the biggest, one of the biggest movies of all time. I think if you have not seen that movie, you should. Everyone in America. I, I watch it at least movie. twice a year. And if you're a Christian, it impacts your heart in levels you cannot even begin to imagine. Especially and it's hard in the Easter to watch. season. 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. Maybe in the last half hour, we'll take calls on this. Um, Mark Bernovich, when we get back. is next you do not want to miss it and stay tuned for the final hour free for all on the sean hannity show